Welcome to the Heroes of Reality Podcast, a podcast about the game of life and the hero's journey we all experience. Let's jump in with our host, Dylan Watkins, as he introduces today's guest. What does it take to create an usness? What does it take to bring people together and separate the individuality and actually rise as a collective good? Terrence Real is an internationally recognized family therapist, speaker, and author. He founded the Rational Life Institute, offering workshops for couples, individuals, and parents, along with a professional training program for clinicians to learn his relational life therapy methodology. He is a best-selling author, If I Don't Want to Talk About It, How Can I Get Through It to You?, and The New Rules of Marriage. His book, Us, Getting Past You and Me to Build a More Loving Relationship will be published to the uh, press June 7th, which is today. And so without any further delay, I'd like to welcome Terrence Real. Hey, how you doing, Dylan? Nice to be hey. here. Hey, I'm, I'm excited to have you here. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, I'm excited to talk about uh, this this book, Us. Um, in the last the last podcast I was talking to before, I was, it was epic. I mean, you, you nail some really um, hard facts about you know, what does it take to actually create this loving connection with each other? What does it take to actually create a, create a bridge from, you know, and, and having this, this unity with people. And I, you know, in this, in this new book that you just released, I, you know, I'm very excited to talk to you all about it. And I'd love to kind of unpack, if you could just tell me just a little bit of like the genesis of the book us and kind of what, what inspired you on the roadmap to create the book us? Well, uh, you know, I'm a couple, well, I started off really, Back in 1995, mm -hmm. I published a book about men and male psychology. Uh, it was it was called I Don't Want to Talk About It. And it was the first book ever written about male depression. Mm -hmm. uh, before that book, depression was seen as primarily a woman's disease. Uh, and I'm, I'm proud at my part in uh, bringing male depression out into the public conversation. I, I began getting calls from around the country uh, saying, uh, is there somebody in Topeka or LA or wherever, uh, that does the kind of work you do? And, um, I, um, uh, I, I would refer people as best I could. And then one day the light went on and these calls were mostly by women, uh, who felt that their relationships to these guys was in trouble. And I said, look, if you're desperate enough, uh, and uh, you, uh, you're, you're resourced enough, uh, come to Boston. And what evolved was a two-day, what I began to call relational uh, intervention, in which I would sit live, uh, just me and the couple, for two straight days. And at the end of that time, you were either on track or getting a divorce. This is the last stop. And I noticed a couple things. One is... I had a really good track record. I say, anecdotally, 19 out of 20 of these couples did really well. And these are all couples on the brink of divorce that nobody else had been able to help. The other thing I noticed is that I broke just about every rule I'd ever learned in couples therapy school. Uh, I took sides. Uh, I was not neutral. Uh, I would say, uh, Dylan, uh, you're a nut, and uh, Mrs. Dylan, you're an even bigger nut, and here's why. And not all problems are 50-50. I would deal uh, not just with issues of shame, helping people come up from the one down, 
but also issues of grandiosity, helping people come uh, down from the one up. Anyway, long story short, a whole method of leading people into relational connection was born, uh, which I began teaching therapists from all over the country. And I have for about a decade now. We've mm -hmm. trained uh, thousands of therapists uh, around the U.S. and beyond. So uh, I began to be more and more interested in relationships. And I wrote a couple of books about relationships. And I've always been a critic of patriarchy, of what patriarchy does uh, to our relationships to screw us up. And as we moved more and more into very divisive times in this country, uh, I began to think about what the toxic culture of individualism does to the country, to our relationships, to our relationship to nature, the planet. Uh, I was with, uh, uh, I was in a team meeting with my team and a very smart guy said to me, uh, excuse me, sorry. Hold on a sec. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, the thing about remote remote podcasting is that life sometimes comes into the middle here. So <laughs> tell you taking care of that. Um, yeah, and you know what, what I think was interesting about that as you as you go to handle that, I just want to kind of do a small comment on the top of this is for men, you know, there was not a lot of space that we have. We usually get a, a range of two emotions. We get to feel angry or we get to feel I'm good. I'm angry or I'm good. Right. There's not a lot of places to express ourselves beyond that. And then that whole thing, one thing I found really interesting about the last time we, we talked is, is you, you approach things in a way of being able to feel heard in a capacity that allows the other person to receive you. Right. There was a story that you told in the last conversation that we we're hanging out together uh, where uh, you offended a friend by accident. And he goes, I love yeah. you. I love you. And I'm really mad at you right now. But it, it came from a place of, of owning your emotions without um without creating and making it be divisive right to express yourself in a in a way in the capacity for another person to hear you and feel you without you being at war with each other and i thought that was really interesting and and uh, insightful i'm wondering if that that's if that's kind of more of the theme of what you're bringing this this usness um into the book yeah uh, it, 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 dylan uh, forgive me but i've lost the, the um uh, I, I've lost our uh, our Zoom. Um, I, I, oh. I, I, I'm going to hang up and dial right back in again. I'm sorry. Okay. We're yeah. We're technically in restream right now. We're not in the Zoom, so it might be a might be a browser window thing. Just a heads up. So you might be on a different browser window. So like you know, you probably have Amazon on one tab, <laughs> Facebook on uh -huh. another tab, and then another one. It should say restream. Okay. You, I just I got yeah. it back. Hey, it's okay. You okay. technically never left me. Uh, we were both in the conversation, even though you you might have uh, stepped away, which is sometimes a part of people's inner landscape as well. So we got a little meta there, but uh, but bringing it back to the conversation of the usness. Yeah. Um, and, and so, the so uh, here's the thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, and when you think like two individuals, mm -hmm. uh, when you are saturated with patriarchal thinking, and patriarchy. Uh, is the water that we're all swimming in. Uh, 
Uh, and uh, when you're uh, living in individualism and patriarchy, you can either be powerful uh, or you can be connected. Uh, but you can't be both at the same time. Because power is power over, not power with. When you step into power, you lose connection. And you see this all the time. People, you know, uh, I, I talk about individual empowerment. Mm. I was weak, now I'm strong, go screw yourself. And I talk about relational empowerment in the book, Us. Relational empowerment is, I was weak, now I'm strong, I'm going to stand toe-to-toe with you, I'm going to uh, assert my needs with you. What can I do to help you come through for me? We're a team. How are we going to do this together? And it's got a completely different energy and a completely different vocabulary than individual empowerment. Mm -hmm. And the way uh, this, and I go into this as a skill uh, in both the book and in the Us workshop. I call it loving power or soft power. Mm -hmm. Is how to... Uh, stand up for yourself and cherish the person you're speaking to, cherish the relationship at the same time, in the same breath. And no one in our culture knows how to do this. Mm -hmm. It's the difference between saying, uh, Dylan, don't talk to me like that, and saying, Dylan, I want to hear what you have to say. Could you tone it down so I could listen to you? Mm -hmm. It's the difference between saying, I want more sex, and saying, we deserve a better sex life. What do we need to do to jumpstart this thing together? And I learned my first lesson in loving power uh, on the porch of my friend Alan Slobodnik. Uh, the, Belinda and the kids uh, were with his wife and kids. There was a bluefish cooking on the grill. And Alan had done something I don't go into the details, that I was really uh, quite frosted by. I really felt betrayed by, and I was angry. And we're all having a good time. And I say to him, look, uh, I can't really be here and be authentic without processing what you did that pissed me off so much. And I let him have it. Uh, I, uh, I'm a fighter. I come from a violent home, and I just leveled off and handed him his head. And here's what Alan did. It changed my life. He stood up, and he was trembling. His whole body was, I mean, he was filled with emotion. And he said to me, Terry, the first and most important thing I want you to understand is that I love you. You're one of my best friends. We're going to be best friends to the day we die. Nothing is going to change that. Uh, and uh, what I'm about to say has nothing to do with that. Now, having said that, let me say this. You come into my family on my porch and you bring a kind of rage uh, into my environment which you well know is the rage I grew up with as a kid that I spent my whole life getting away from. And you discharge that in the middle of this beautiful afternoon, uh, uh, in the middle of this family outing. And I want to tell you, I don't like it. Now, I'm not going to control you. I don't want to, and I'm not even going to try. You do what you do. But 
every time you bring that kind of energy into my world, I'm going to tell you just how hurt and angry I am and just how much I don't like it. And brother, I don't like it. Do I make myself clear? And you know what I said, Dylan? Hmm. I said, you want to hear that again? <laughs> <laughs> I was gobsmacked. Yeah. He had me with Terry, I love you. Yeah. I'm a fighter. I'm from Jersey. If he had come at me with rage, I would have known just what to do. But when he came at me with love and then stood up for himself, both at the same time, I was completely disarmed. And that was my first moment of getting a glimpse of this new way of being in the world. I really think it's new for the culture, mm -hmm. how to be loving and uh, assertive, uh, cherish the relationship, and stand up for yourself all in the same breath. And that's us. That's what mm. this book is all about. That's awesome. I know, you know, if you look at this from like a business sense, you know, Google did a whole bunch of studies. And they said one of the, the number one things in terms of a productive workplace is psychological safety. And what you're talking about is creating a, a, a psychological safety of usness, right? While also communicating your standards. I love you. I'm here for you. I will always be for you, here for you. At the same time, here are my standards. And this is you violating my standards. And, and this is, and this, and I'm going to communicate my standards to you so you understand this, you know, at the same time. But that you're talking about that versus the fight or flight or freeze style that we're all accustomed to, you know, is, is raging or retreating. Right, sticking in that pocket. The, the 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 question I have around that, right, is how do you? It's easy to say that right now, right, when we have it. It's another thing when you emotionally punch me in my nose. Uh -huh. <laughs> right. So so if I get popped in the nose, right, what are some things I can do either before the nose popping or after the nose popping to actually gain some emotional um, wherewithal to be able to actually take those uh, take those progressive steps forward. Well, let me break that down. Let's drill down into that moment. Mm -hmm. uh, because I, I go into neurobiology in the book. I go into what's happening in the brain. Mm -hmm. Our autonomic nervous system scans our bodies four times a second. Am I safe? Am I safe? Am I safe? Am I safe? And if the answer is yes, I'm safe. We stay in what I call the wise adult part of us prefrontal cortex, the most mature part of the brain, the part of our brain that can stop and think and make deliberate choices and be smart. Mm. If the answer is no, I'm not safe, then we move into, just as you were saying, fight, flight, freeze, or fix. That's the fourth one. Uh, fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. And uh, that's an automatic response. You know, when I am sitting with someone, a couple say, uh, the most important question I'm asking myself is not what are the external stressors, because a good couple can handle stress. And it's not even what's the choreography, what's the vicious circle that you're involved in. The more, we'll do it straight up, the more she pursues, the more he distances, and the more he distances the more she pursues. Very important to understand that, but that's not the most important. The most important question is this one. Which part of you am I speaking to? Am I speaking to 
the wise adult here and now, uh, non-triggered part of you that can be reasonable? Or am I speaking to younger parts of you, triggered parts of you? And that has everything to do with trauma. And I speak about two other parts. There's the famous wounded child part of us, very young, usually experienced as about uh, up to three, four, five years old. That's the part of us that was just on the receiving end of the abuse or neglect, flooded, overwhelmed, wants to crawl up on somebody's lap and cry. Between these two, this very young part and this very mature part, is what I call the adaptive child part of us, adaptive child. That's the part of us that adapted to whatever was going on in our environment. And we think that that's an adult. Almost all the people who come see me have lived most of their lives out of their adaptive child part, thinking that it's an adult, but it's not. Now, the world at large will reward the adaptive child part of us because it mirrors the patriarchal individualistic culture that we live in. But the wise adult part of us can move into something more relational, uh, more loving, more kind, more clever. You know, I have a saying, you can be right or you can be married. What's more important to you? You ask the adaptive child part, what's more important, they'll go right down the line. Who cares about being married? And this is what I call you and me consciousness. When you get triggered and you lose that mature part of the brain, it, you literally lose the capacity to remember the relationship. And it's about you versus me in a win-lose, zero-sum power struggle. And what I teach in this book and in the workshop is the art of what I call relational mindfulness. In the heat of the moment, take a breath or 10, uh, take a walk around the block, splash some water on your face. And uh, what I call remember love. Remember that the person you're speaking to is someone you care about. And the reason why you're talking is to make things better. If you're not there, if what you're really about is a knee-jerk fight, flight, freeze, or fix, all bets are off. You will never resolve the issue. Take a, I'm a big fan of breaks. Take a break. Take a time out. Have a little chat with your inner child. Do what you need to do to get re-regulated and then bring your adult self back into the relationship. That's the most important skill of all because the bad news is the adaptive child you and me part of us is not interested in intimacy. It's interested in survival. And until you move out of that triggered part into something more present-based and wise, you will never learn or you, you know, I did workshops around the country for years and my favorite uh, 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 workshop slide uh, was this one. Uh, other workshops teach you skills. We deal with the part of you that won't use them. So uh, come out of the part of you that's about survival, not intimacy, 
into the part of you that will use relational skills and then make your move. That's the, that's the uh, first order of business. And that can be cultivated. That's a muscle that can be strengthened and grown. Hmm. And that's a, that's a great thing you're talking about there is being aware that when you're talking to a person, even with yourself, you're not always the same person at the same point in time, right? And then being aware of that and being able to understand that, but there is this sense of, um, you know, uh, one, being aware of that, and then two, creating that kind of environment scenario that allows people to be able to repair the situation, right? So I'm more of a fighter. I'll get in it. You, you go to eight, I go to 10. You go to 10, I go to 12. No problems. When, back in the day, I had a partner who always retreated and it would make me insane because they would just disconnect and 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 separate. And that was one of the hardest things. So they just disconnect and separate and it just drove me. It was just got so, got even more mad, right? And, and, I, and I think we were talking about last time, we talked about time boxing those breaks, being able to create that certainty around an area of saying, hey, okay, we're coming in a little hot. We need to take a break, splash some water, jump in an ice bath, whatever the thing it is that you need to do, you know, uh, and then come back. But if you, if you, if you create that psychological safety again around time boxing it and saying, okay, great, we're going to take five minutes, 24 hours, whatever anything looks like. And then you come back, then, then both people can feel like they actually have this space and capacity and they're not going to have that fear of either separation or that fear of being ground and pounded into the dirt. Yeah, that's right. I call that responsible distance taking. You don't just storm out of the room. Mm -hmm. I've had it. I'm not. No. You say, I'm taking a break. I'll be back in 30 minutes. If you need more time when you come back in 30 minutes, say that. I'll be back mm -hmm. in an hour. I'd invite all of our listeners uh, to go to my website, terryreal.com, just my name, T-E-R-R-Y-R-E-A-L, and download uh, a piece, a one-pager that I call the Ten Commandments of How to Take a Time Out. And it's the difference between a break and a rupture. Uh, yes, I'm leaving. Here's why I'm leaving. And here's when I'm coming back. You take care of the person that you're walking away from so that they don't get anxious and start banging down your door. That's beautiful and, and super helpful because, again, if people are just there uh in the situations when you're in that collision you don't always have the tools right and that's the that's the big thing is that we don't really have these tools we have these survival methods and these patterns of of surviving in these situations just trying to figure out what you need to do to survive this kind of environment and something that served you in the past as survival pattern um in the in the book uh, i was just going through it briefly i know it came out today i, I downloaded it on audible i was kind of going through it um but since it just came out I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't eat the whale in, in one day before the podcast got started. But in there, you talked about uh, the child. You talked about the, there was like the, the, the child that was ignored by the hero, child that was ignored, that was a scared quote. You talk about some of these different child survival strategies and how it serves us in our life. Can you talk about a little bit of those, those strategies uh, and make and yeah. just so people are aware of them? Yeah. Let, 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 uh, let me tell you a story mm. rather than talk about it. I mean. The truth, you know, so I specialize in couples on the brink of divorce. That's my beat. So I, I tell this story early on in the book. True story. A couple comes to me on the brink of divorce. The guy's a pathological liar, and his wife can't stand it anymore. She says, ask him what kind of shoes he has on, and he'll lie and say they're sneakers. I mean, a guy will just lie about anything. So I talked to the guy, and he's one of these guys, Dylan, you say to him, the sky is blue. He says, it's aquamarine. He's not going to give it to you. So 
between the wife's description and the way he handles himself, in five minutes, I have his dysfunctional stance, the, re the relational stance he does over and over and over again that gets in his way. What I figure is, this guy is a champion evader, okay? He, he, he's got a black belt in evasion. So then I ask him a question. When you're not thinking relationally, it seems like, wow, that's brilliant. But when you're thinking relationally, it's easy breezy. If he's got a black belt in evasion, who was he evading? Once I understand what the adaption is, what was the child adapting to when this was created? So I say to the guy, who tried to control you growing up? Sure enough, his father, a military man, how he ate, how he drank, the clothes he wore, everything. I said, how did you deal with this controlling father? He looks at me and he smiles. Now that smile's important. That's the smile of resistance. He looks at me and he smiles and he said, I lied. Brilliant, brilliant little boy. Mm -hmm. I teach my students always respect the exquisite intelligence of the adaptive child. You did back then exactly what you needed to do to preserve your integrity and wholeness. Good for you. Brilliant move. But I have a saying, adaptive then, maladaptive now. He's not that four-year-old boy, and she's not his controlling father. So we float all this in our first session. Mm. They come back two weeks later, true story, and they're cured. Hand in hand, we got it now. I say, okay, there's a story. Tell me the story. He says, over the weekend, his wife sent him to the grocery store to buy, say, 12 things. And true to form, uh, he comes back with 11. She says to him, where's the pumpernickel? He says, every muscle and nerve in my body was screaming to say they were out of it. <laughs> and in this moment, I took a breath. I summoned my courage, I looked my wife in the eye, and I said, I forgot the pumpernickel. And she burst into tears. And she said, I've been waiting for this moment for 25 years. That's recovery. That's what we're looking for. Moving out of the knee-jerk adaptive response that served you in childhood into something more relational, more connected, more wise in the present. And mm. let me tell you, it's a journey. It's not that easy to make that shift in that moment. My wife, the brilliant uh, uh, family therapist, Belinda Berman, calls those moments relational heroism. It's mm. when every muscle and nerve is going fight, flight, freeze, or fix. And instead you take a breath, you summon your best self and you do for once in your life something different. And mm. that's where healing comes in. You know, what's interesting about that is I see a parallel of exactly what your friend, I think his name was Alan, uh, said, said to you is the same thing that you say to your younger self. I love you. I care about mm -hmm. you. I will always love you. 
and here are my standards. And when you do this, it gets me this way and I feel this way and I'm not going to tolerate it. And these are my new paths and paradigms, which is interesting because you're talking about not only this, this, this individuality and how that's the death of that, but there's also the, 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 how, how that's a myth, but how there's multiple pieces of yourself that you need to accept, but also keep standards with. Do you, have you seen that as a parallel? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I say, uh, when an inner child kicks up, you put them on your lap, you put your arms around them, you love them up, and you take their sticky hands off the steering wheel. They're not driving the bus, it, you are. And, and I'll tell you something. When both Belinda and I are fighters, we both come from uh, violent families, and we used to fight like cats and dogs 30 years ago. We don't so much anymore. But if Belinda's coming at me with anger, I will take my little uh, Terry. I've got a, a composite, about eight. I know him really well. And I'll put him behind me. He can hold on to my shirt. And I'll say to him, literally, I'll say to him, we, we have, here's a deal. That anger coming our way, that stops with me, my big body, my grown-up self. You are protected back there. You will not feel the blast of that anger. That's my part of the deal. Here's your part of the deal. You let me deal with Belinda. Don't you deal with Belinda. You'll make a mess of things. And uh, I have a saying. A maturity comes when we deal with our inner children and don't force them off on our partners to deal with. This mm. is our responsibility. Mm. And it really has to do with trauma. When your trauma triggered, when you move to that knee jerk, I got to do this or I'm going to die. Fight, flight, fix. I'm, uh, I'm going to do the same thing every time. Do you have the wherewithal to take a breath, hear that younger part of you, love that younger part of you, and demote that younger part of you? You're in the backseat. I'm driving. And that's work that we can learn to do. Uh, and it will transform uh, our relationships as we learn to do it. Mm. So it's it's being aware who's in the driver's seat. Uh, if you if you identify it's your younger self, you take his sticky little hands off the steering wheel, and you say, "Hey, I've got this. I'm here for you. Um, you know, I'm going to put you in the back. Let me take the wheel from here, so we can we can get to a better place together." Because you know this is a situation that your your higher self, your big brother self, your your whatever whatever the whatever the avatar it is that you embody that that can actually speak with that clear-headed and that that collaborative tone that that one that that knows that we're in it together because is 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 that that's the mindset you need to take or that's the communication you need to have with yourself that happens is that something that you're able to actually is that something that is something that is able to actually like manifest like instantly or is that something that you actually have to go through a narrative process of like a journaling exercise where you actually go through this kind of thing and like how do you get that to be an automatic response versus something that because I, I imagine at first it's very difficult then over time it can become more automatic you know are there processes and steps for you know making that from an unconscious co or conscious competence to unconscious competence yeah well, um, uh, I would never say it's automatic. Mm -hmm. uh, the the knee-jerk adaptive child response is, is the automatic one. It's thoughtful. It's artful. And you can grow it uh, through practice, practice, practice. And with help. Don't do this by yourself. 
do this in company. Get a good therapist or coach. Uh, get pals who support your relational growth. You know, so many of the people around us support our individual, to go back to individualism, support our individual rights. I wouldn't put up with that if I was you. That, that's not what I want. I want therapists and coaches and friends to say, well, what could you do differently to change the interaction between you and your partner? Mm -hmm. uh, so it's a practice. It takes time. It takes learning. But I have a saying, uh, it, 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 these, uh, these techniques and skills that I go through in the book are so different from the culture at large. Uh, that doing them badly will transform your life. And you know what? You can start doing them badly today. So that's the good thing. <laughs> yeah, progress is progress. The interesting uh, thing you talked about this, you talked about um, individualism, you talked about power. Um, there's some things that you, you, you're you referencing um, in the book and things that we've been talking about that I think is, I want to kind of take a, a beat on and talk about a little bit is a lot of time, um, we don't get a chance to express ourselves the way that in a, in a healthy way to be heard. And very quickly, there's a shift of things of, you know, I have power, I have, I, you know, I am in control. Right. And then instantly flipping over to that victim mindset of you never let me get my way. It's your fault of this. And now I'm going to punish you because of this thing doesn't happen. And it's giving your power away in the form of this kind of this victimhood or this victim mindset. Right. When it's like, I can't, I can't, I'm a powerful man and I can't be vulnerable in front of you because when I'm vulnerable in front of you, you take advantage of me. So I can't, right? That's that right there is, is one of those, it's an unhealthy way of, of doing this. And one of the things I came across in the, in the book was actually, there's a, a situation about this um, in there. Um, can you speak a little bit to like, cause in my heroes of rally podcast, we talked about being the hero of your own story. And I think a lot of this is owning your own power, which is also owning your own story and narrative. Um, but do you have any thoughts around that that victim mindset versus the, you know, what is true power? Yeah, um, the kind, uh, the victimhood that you're talking about, which is really projecting power over on, on somebody else, either I'm dominated mm -hmm. or dominator. Mm -hmm. uh, they're both flip sides of the same coin and they're both nuts. Listen, uh, what individualism teaches us the word in what an individual means is that you stand apart from nature and what patriarchy teaches us and their fused individualism and patriarchy is not only do I stand apart from their nature, but I'm above nature and I dominate it. You know, whether the nature that I dominate is my partner or my kids or my body, I've got to lose 10 pounds or my mind, I've got to stop thinking so negatively. It's all about power and control. And it's crazy. You don't have that kind of power and control over anything, but yourself may be on a good day. And the essence of us uh, is moving from the delusion of power over nature to what I call ecological humility. You're not above nature, you fool. You're in nature. Our relationships are our biosphere. We breathe it. You can choose to pollute your biosphere with a temper tantrum over here, but you're going to breathe in that pollution and your partner's withdrawal 
or lack of sexuality over there. You're an ecosystem, you're connected. The idea that you're outside of that and uh, unscathed by it is uh, grandiose, it's crazy, it's a delusion. Mm. So once you trade in the power over model for community, ecological humility, the sense of cooperation, uh, everything changes, all the terms change. So for example, uh, the relational answer to the question, who's right and who's wrong, is who cares? It doesn't matter. What matters is how are we as a team going to make this issue work in a way that works for both of us. It's about trading in me versus you for the wisdom of we're a team, we, we love each other, how are we gonna make, you know, I treat every day these big burly guys and they say to me, why should I have to work so hard to please my wife? And I go, knock, knock, dummy, you live with her. That's why you should. Happy spouse, happy house. You're not living in a motel room. If your wife is unhappy with you, the person who's going to suffer is you. Mm -hmm. I don't talk about altruism. I talk about enlightened self-interest. It's in my interest to keep my biosphere clean because I'm in it and I breathe it. That's wisdom. Mm. I love that. What's, what's interesting about this, you know, there's obviously there's usually two parallels to any situation, right? There's the fight or flight, or there is the, there's these, there's these different types of things. Um, you can burn sugars or you can burn fats. There's different ways to get you. And there's, and I think one of the things that you touched on, I think is interesting, uh, connecting the ecological nature and this, I would call it social sustainability, right? The, the actual, can you actually cultivate an environment that enriches your social and you know um, environment around it, and what I find fascinating about that is, I think the with consumerism we want to consume. I want to consume love. I want to consume happiness. I want to consume, uh, you know, all these things. So that's why people go on TikToks or what or swipes or whatever they want to be entertained. Versus what you're talking about is the mindset of producing. How do I produce? gratitude? How do I produce appreciation? How do I cultivate joy? How do I cultivate connection? And shockingly, you have to work at it. <laughs> you have to actually, you have to go through the process of actually cultivating until the soil and the land in, you know, and actually have a sustainable social environment with you and the, the people in your life. So you can, versus just consume it, you know, uh, guys, you know, uh, I, I'm feeling some sort of negative emotion, give me sex. I'm feeling some sort of negative, give me sex, right? And so I, what I think is interesting is that that switching from that mindset of getting people to, to, to work versus they, they, they're just owed this thing because they're a spouse, they're, uh, they've dared so much art. So have, in terms of that friction for getting people to actually cultivate these types of relationships, you know, what are some other things you've talked about besides living with them? Are there other things you've done to help people be able to shift that mindset from being a, uh, a consumer to being a producer of their own emotional well-being? Yeah. Well, um, one of the things I say is that all relationships are an endless dance of harmony, disharmony, and repair. Closeness, disruption, and a return to closeness. 
And a lot of the skills and the wisdom that we need uh, come from moving from disharmony back into repair. So let me give you an example of what thinking relationally can do for you. Mm-hmm. If you are faced with an unhappy partner, the first thing I want to tell our listeners uh, is that it's not a two-way street. It's a one-way street. It's in your interest to help that unhappy partner get happy again, to move them into repair. Why is it in your interest? Because you love them and you live with them. Okay? So take turns. Everybody gets this wrong. They do a dialogue. Uh, I, uh, I have these issues with you. Well, I have these issues with you. You know, uh, I have these issues with you. Well, you have to understand the reason why I did it. One of the things I teach people is if you're faced with an unhappy partner, uh, you're at the customer service window. Somebody comes to you at the customer service window and says, my microwave doesn't work. Uh, They don't want to hear you say, well, my toaster doesn't work. They want you to fix their microwave. So uh, when your partner is in a state of disrepair, don't think about objective reality. Well, that's true. That's not true. Don't think about yourself. I can't believe I have to put up with this crap. Trade that in for this one. You ready? I hope everybody's listening. Compassionate curiosity about your partner's subjective experience. You don't argue with them. You don't defend yourself. You don't argue the facts. You trade that in for this. Dylan, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry you feel bad. I care about you. I don't want you to feel bad. Tell me more about what's going on. Who sounds like that? And then if you really want an A+, you follow that up with, is there something I could say or do right now that would help you feel better? Mm-hmm. I am your service, I'm in the service of repair. That is getting over your ego, your individual rights, and thinking relationally because it's the wise thing to do for everybody. That's one example of how everything shifts when you move out of you versus me and you remember the team, the us. All of the skills are very different once you have a different map. I love that. By the way, when you when you call that and you started saying that, it made me want to give you a hug. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> you're like, I, was, I was like, I'm not even mad at you, bro. I, <laughs> I, was, I could feel it. I mean, I could feel the pull towards the like, it felt like you're there for me. Like you've got my back. You're here to support me. Right. And, 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 and that you're, you're talking about the compassion, curiosity for your partner's subjective experience or the subjective reality. Yeah. Right that right there of, 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 they might be mad at me or they might be mad or whatever the situation is. It's not, they're really mad at me. It's just, it's just their reality that's been shaped around and go, Hey, what's going on? I'm here for you. Uh, you know, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. What can I do for you? I'm you know, I'm and you, you imagine being at that service window. You've got your little name tag on the side right there. Is, you go through it. I, I could picture it and I could feel that energy and that energetic shift versus, you know, generally arguments is like, you know, we just take turns with a wiffle ball bat. I hit you on the head, and then I give you the wiffle ball bat, and you hit me on the head, and we go back and forth hitting each other on the head with a wiffle ball bat. And what I what I like about that is if 
even if someone is coming at you, even if the spouse that you love and they are quote unquote attacking you, it's not that they're attacking you, that the shift into being, wow, they're really in pain and their their subjective reality needs to be uh, taken care of or tended to. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, here's a very concrete way of thinking about it. Your partner comes at you uh, and uh, their delivery sucks. Okay. Uh, they're one up. They're critical. They're, they're, uh, they're even boundary violating. They're even abusive. 99 out of a hundred of us will react to their crummy delivery. Don't talk to me like that. What I teach the people I work with is duck under the delivery and pay attention to the point. Mm. What is this person trying to say? See if you can, the best way to disarm an angry person is to help them feel heard. I hear what you're saying. What you're saying matters to me. Let's work together to help you feel better. That's repair. But you have to be in your centered prefrontal cortex, non-traumatized self in order to pull that off. And so it's a two-step process. One is getting into the part of you that will use these skills. And then once you're there, learning and cultivating the skills that work better. Mm, I, I mean, I love that. And that's the, can you emotionally duck the 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 delivery that someone makes at you and then be able to service and be able to hear them right and that's that it's that capacity right uh to 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 to, to hear them out. i imagine almost like two cups and you know one person is emotionally filled right and they're trying to pour some of that emotional baggage or stuff into your cup and if you haven't if you have a bigger cup more capacity you can take it on and allow them to be heard feel felt and all that and be able to go through that process so that they it can create some space for them to then kind of uh kick probably i'm assuming kick back on their prefrontal cortex um and, right. yeah and, and so oh, and then they go oh wait i think i'm being crazy here <laughs> now they're right. actually now actually i i mean you're, you're actually paying attention to me maybe i should take a step back and go i didn't mean and i was just a little angry the guy cut me off in the road i didn't get my latte you know that's well, right that's a blessed moment. Mm. And we can do that for each other. We can co-regulate each other's nervous system. You know, when your partner is in his or her adaptive child and you stay centered in your wise adult, you try a couple, three times to see if you can help them come out of it. Oh, baby, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean I, that. Oh, yeah, okay. I, I call it, oh, oh, baby, baby. Oh, baby, I'm so oh, baby, you know. And, and you see if they can uh, wake up and snap. You know, you're not giving them uh, a punching bag to keep punching. And they realize after a while they're only fighting with themselves. I, I call this, I have a name for, I have a name for everything. I call this relational jujitsu. In the West, the way we do martial arts is like the rumble in the jungle. You give me your best shot. I give you my best shot. Last man standing wins. In the East, somebody comes at you with a lot of force. You move a quarter of an inch out of the way, give a little flip, and they wind up careening against the wall. You don't stand up and take the wave full in the chest. You duck under the wave and come out the other side unscathed. And I, I particularly work with men around this. Changing our ideal 
from one of strength. I'm standing up, I'm not putting up, to one of elegance. Mm -hmm. I could have gotten into a rip-roaring fight with my partner, and I made a smooth move. I was compassionate and kind instead of defensive, and he or she calmed down in five minutes. Whew, good job. But you have to move beyond the mores of individualism and patriarchy. You have to check your ego at the door and be wiser than that. It's a different model of what strength and manhood looks like. Mm -hmm. You know, literally moving men and women and non-binary folks into intimacy is synonymous with moving them beyond the culture of patriarchy and individualism. This isn't about me and my rights. It's about us and how are we going to live together in a way that works for both of us. Mm. And what's interesting about that, too, is if you're looking at your, your time about patriarchy, which is like, you know, men's control of power. Men, are, men, because we're men, we're at the top and women are down below. Right. And that's the patriarchy kind of style. Um, and but if we're talking about. Um, because one of the things you have is in your in one of the chapters of the book is is you can't love from above or below. Yeah. Right? And if we're looking at that, and I think there's sometimes in which I'm strong and my my wife is weak. And I think sometimes I'm weak and my wife is strong. And and realizing that there's times that it's you're talking about that this jujitsu is like a dance, it's being able to dance in and out, right? And when you when you look at this sometimes when it gets into this war of like I'm I'm great and you're terrible. Or you're you're great and I'm terrible. It seems to be kind of that that counterbalance, right? So you know how how do you shift out of that mindset of you know superior inferior, right? Into this kind of relational jujitsu side of things, right? What does that what does that look like? Is there um um like mindset? There's mindsets and there's tactics. You know which one of those things do you want to unpack for us to kind of allow people to understand how they can kind of how they can have this be more of a dance. Well, the first thing I wanted to deal with is mindset. I mean, I've been talking mm -hmm. about tactics. Mm -hmm. uh, in the book, I talk about moving beyond the great lie. And the great lie, which Western civilization runs on, is the lie that one human being could be essentially superior or inferior to another human being. We are all the same. We are all equal. We all have equal value essentially in our being. This is the bulwark of democracy. You know, one man, one. This is the bulwark of medical ethics. We understand this with young children. If, if little Timmy is an ADD nightmare and uh, Clarice is a concert violinist, and I were to say to you, which of these two kids do you think is more valuable or more worthy? You know, you'd deck me if you were a healthy parent. It's irrelevant. But we don't operate like that in adult relationships in the world. It's all about who's on top, who's on bottom, who's superior, who's inferior, and it's all a lie. We are same as. We are equal. And yes, I do say in the book, you cannot love from a one-up superior position. And you cannot love from a one-down inferior position. Love demands democracy. We have to hold each other in warm regard as equal, flawed human beings 
and not put ourselves above or below each other if we're going to have good relationships. Mm. So then the mindset is just around the, the, the concept of, you know, we're like, you have skills that aren't the same as mine. It's not better or worse. We're just different. And, and from, from that perspective of, you know, whatever it might be, but realizing that we all have inherent value right? and whether or not someone makes more money, is more attractive, has more status, you know, insert the thing. It, it really doesn't matter. It's understanding that, look, are, are we a team? Are we, are we, are we, do we want to march together? Well, then we both have to be heard. Otherwise it's something that is forced upon you. And then it's no longer a team thing. It's more of, it's more of a manipulation, right? Is this something that is a, a collaboration or is this a, a forced dictatorship? And so um, having people become aware of that, because I do think people's egos get in the way. And there's also that sometimes resentment builds up. Someone takes care of the kids all the time and they're resentful or someone works all the time and they're resentful. And, and, and then, you know, I, how do you, you know, how do you get to that, that ego dissolving that resentment that, cause what happens is, you know, those, those, those R's, you know, the resistance and resentment and then goes up, right. How do you dissolve that? And how do you unpack that so that you can kind of get to that place of, you know, uh, one's not better or one's not worse. You know, we're on the same page when you have a, a history together. Well, one of the ways in which you dissolve resentment uh, is that you take each other on. Uh, most couples stop taking each other on after a while. I talk about fierce intimacy. Grab your partner by the collar, shake things up, dare to rock the boat, and say, listen, this is really important. You better listen to me. It, it's important. But we stop doing that with each other, and we back off. We tell ourselves that we're accepting, but really we're settling. And then resentment uh, begins to build. So if you're resenting something, out with it. Don't let it fester. But I understand why people back off, because when they do try and talk to each other, we simply don't have the skills to make that conversation successful. Mm -hmm. So take each other on, but skillfully. That's what the book's about. That's what us workshop is about, how to take each other on in a way that's going to work, how to take you on in a way that empowers you to come through for me. That's mm -hmm. thinking relationally. What do you need from me, Dylan, to come through for me? How can I help you do what I need you to do for me? I'm at your service. Who talks like that? Nobody in this culture. It's brand new. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, I think one thing you hit on this one, I have, a, I have a second question, but one that came up first is accepting versus settling. It's a very wildly different it, it, on the outside looks the same, but internally is, you know, what is, what is the subtle difference between accepting versus settling? Cause I can, I can feel it, but I just can't articulate it. Yeah. Well, generally speaking, uh, if you resent it, uh, then you haven't accepted it. If you resent it, uh, go back into the ring and duke it out. Uh, so a tip-off is if you're walking around with a lot of resentment, then it's time for you to go back and open up the conversation. Mm, got it. Yeah, yeah. So if you, if you have those uh, those mental mental model arguments with your spouse continuously after the event, chances are you don't uh, you're not actually ex accepting the situation. Yeah, it's 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 more of a it's a, it's that it's that chronic unhappiness 
low level chronic unhappiness that you just tolerate that can build up over time. Yeah, that happens with a lot of the couples that I see because uh, they don't know how to take each other on in ways that are going to work. And so they go back and forth between stuffing it uh, and then blah, hell breaks loose. Mm. Uh, and, you know, we've never wanted more from our relationships than we do right now. Mm-hmm. Historically, uh, in my parents' day and grandparents' day, a companionable marriage was fine. You know, if you didn't drink too much or cheat or beat anybody, you were fine. But nowadays, we want more. We want really lifelong lovers. We want we want passion. We want a heart-to-heart connection. But we don't have the skills in our individualistic patriarchal culture to pull off this ambition. And that's where people like me come in. You have to learn how to do that. Look, I would like relational skills taught in elementary school and junior high and high, how to have a a constructive fight, how to stand up for yourself and cherish your partner at the same time, how to negotiate, how to let go, how to grieve, how to deal with your partner when your compass mentis and your partner is being a total idiot. These are basic skills that I do teach in the book and the workshop, but that people simply don't know. Where did you see it? In that family of yours growing up? In our dysfunctional culture growing up? Nobody knows how to do this. And so it's in our interest to buy a book, go to a workshop, not just mine, but others, and learn how to be more skilled in our relationships. It does not come naturally. Yeah, it's uh, when you're talking about we want more, like uh, mankind, we want progress. Everybody wants progress. We want more growth. We want more of this. We want we want more from our relationships. Uh, but at the same time, we're not willing to actually invest more, right? We feel like it's owed to us because I am, insert things, because I am a man, because I am a woman, because I am a, because I am here, I deserve all of these, all of these things for my significant other but I'm not willing to invest in myself to level up my own skills in my own life to be able to cultivate a relationship with my wife as a friend, my wife as a lover, my wife as a, uh, an adventurous spirit that we go and do things again. What answer the things, which is interesting because you're talking about that sense of um, entitlement, which is that individualistic mindset of I deserve yeah, this right, because right. I am me, right? Which I is, deserve it because I'm me, right? Yeah. It, and it plays out in gendered ways. I deserve it because I'm a man and I'm king and I'm a prince and you should just give it to me for guys. And for women, so often uh, it's that Cinderella thing. If I have to work for it, if I have to spell it out for the guy, uh, you know, it doesn't come Prince Charming uh, should just know what I want and need and I shouldn't have to work so hard. Uh, I got news for everybody. If you want a more satisfying relationship, you're going to have to work at it. You're going to have to learn how to be skilled and you're going to have to use those skills every day. It's relentless. You know, I tell my clients, they actually like hearing this. I say, uh, the same skills I'm teaching, if you come from a dysfunctional culture, so do I. If you came from a dysfunctional family, so do I. The skills I'm teaching you are the same skills, Belinda, that I use every day. And on those days when either or both of us indulge ourselves and don't use those skills, we look just as ugly as you do. People like hearing that. And we do. Uh, This is an art. 
uh, and it's relentless. It's instant karma. If you behave well and wisely, you go down that road. If you go with your knee-jerk response, you're going to get the same thing mm. over and over and over again. This is in our, People talk about relationships uh, need work, but nobody tells you what the work is. The work of a relationship is in the moment. Just like that guy who lied, who in that moment chose to do something different. In this moment right now, are you going to reach for peace and harmony between the two of you? Or are you going to stand up for your rights and be a jerk? It's up to you. It's your life. But that's the choice right now in this moment. Mm -hmm. that's, and that's a that's the we take for granted all these little moments that we have, that's just, oh, it's just a moment. It's just this, that's just a, but we understand that we're one moment away from a deeper connection with our wife uh, a, or to tear that, to tear that apart. And if you, unless you have the skills to recognize it and capitalize on it, you can't ever actually level up yourself to the life that you want by investing in yourself, whether through learning a book or taking a course and all that, um, which brings me to, you not only have, the book out you also have created a course around this can do you want to say as we come towards the end of this podcast here just a little bit about how people can all go deeper not only with the book but also with what additional supplemental information you have yeah thank you i'm very proud that our first ever us workshop is a live online course starts june 14th goes into uh into july uh, uh, for individuals and couples, uh, really explaining what this book is about, giving you a map of how to see things and see the relationship in this new way, not as two adversarial individuals, but as a team, and is chock full of skills, uh, like some of the things I've been talking about, uh, to turn this from an idea to a way of living on this planet. How to live a more relational life. How to bring peace. You know, uh, we may not uh, have it in us uh, to bring peace to Ukraine or to the Middle East, but we can start by bringing peace in our living rooms and our bedrooms. So uh, this is about uh, how to live a nonviolent, successful, skilled, relational life uh, with uh, uh, your partners, with your family, with your colleagues. It's for both couples and for individuals in how to live like this. It's a happier way to live. Mm, I love it. I love it. And so if people want to be able to um, find this workshop and this course, how do they go about doing that? Just go to my website. It's my name, terryreal.com, T-E-R-R-Y-R-E-A-L.com. Uh, and uh, you'll see uh, a banner for the Us Workshop and join us. Beautiful. Terry, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate you being here. Um, I'm very excited about your new book. I did just download it. I'm going through it. There were some beautiful nuggets of gold in there. I plan to continue going through it um, as time progresses here. So thank you so much for your time. And uh, thank you for sharing the good work. Thank you, John. You keep up the good work yourself. I appreciate it. Take care now. Bye now. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Heroes of Reality podcast. Check out heroesofreality.com for more episodes. 
While you're there, you can also take the Heroes Quiz to find out what kind of hero you are. Or, if you have a great story and want to be on the podcast, tell us why your hero's journey will inspire others. Thank you for listening. See you on the other side.